the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. The Wall Street Journal has a piece by two epidemiologists, associate professor of medicine at uh, UCLA Medical School and a professor of epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health. Well, one is an epidemiologist, one is a medical doctor. I've had both on the show. They are courageous doctors, which is as rare as courageous anybody. (laughs) Courage. Does courage know a profession? Maybe the military. But uh, that's, that's a different courage, of course. It's physical courage. But putting the military aside, I can't think of a profession that is not dominated by people who, and I hate to use the word, are cowardly. I've always felt that about professors and deans and college presidents where one of the necessary characteristics uh, is a lack of courage. But uh, in medicine, it is now identical. Doctors are as likely to be sheep as professors. And these two stand out. And so does the Wall Street Journal for publishing them. Are COVID vaccines riskier than advertised? One remarkable aspect of the COVID-19 pandemic has been how often unpopular scientific ideas, from the lab leak theory to the efficacy of masks, were initially dismissed, even ridiculed, only to resurface later in mainstream thinking differences of opinion have sometimes been rooted in disagreement over the underlying science. Now please hear the next sentence. But the more common motivation has been political. These are two eminent doctors who are accusing their profession of being motivated by politics more than medicine. That is a fact. The American Medical Association harms Americans more than it helps them, as an example. Another reversal in thinking may be imminent. Some scientists have raised concerns that the safety risks of COVID-19 vaccines have been underestimated. But the politics of vaccination has relegated their concern to the outskirts of scientific thinking for now. That's that's what we call a bombshell. Some scientists have raised concerns that the safety risks of COVID-19 vaccines have been underestimated, but the politics of vaccination has relegated the politics of vaccination, not the science of vaccination. 
has relegated their concerns to the outskirts of scientific thinking. There is a database. It's called the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS. And it's administrated by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC and the FDA. Incidentally, the last FDA head, Scott Gottlieb, is on the board of Pfizer. They don't even hide their corruption. They are so certain that the press will cover for them, because the press of the United States is like the press of the Soviet Union. It's, it's not there to report what happens. It's there to advance an ideological agenda. But uh, that should be, a, I think, a tip-off as to the corruption. Remember, my friends, vaccines make companies and thereby the CDC and others billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. Ivermectin makes them nothing. You think that's a factor? Well, if you don't, it's because you choose not to. The VAERS database cannot say what would have happened in the absence of vaccination. Of course it can't, right? Nonetheless, the large clustering of certain adverse events immediately after vaccination is concerning, and the silence around these potential signals of harm reflects the politics surrounding COVID-19 vaccines. Stigmatizing such concerns is bad for scientific integrity and could harm patients. This is a very powerful piece. Four serious adverse events follow this arc according to data taken directly from VAERS. Again, VAERS is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And they are, one, low platelets, thrombocytopenia, two, non-infectious myocarditis or heart inflammation, especially for those under 20, three, deep vein thrombosis, and four, death. The implication is that the risks of COVID-19 vaccine may outweigh the benefits for certain low-risk populations such as children young adults, and people who have recovered from COVID-19. Why are children being told to get the vaccine? The chance, you hear this? The chance of being hurt by the vaccine if you're a child may be greater than the chance of your being hurt by COVID. Why would a parent, it's it's so interesting, parents would not want their kid to fly alone at at 14 or jump off a diving board but they would give them this vaccine in a nanosecond why would they do that A, a big reason is the vile media of America. They do not allow dissenting voices in medicine to be heard. Google has killed people 
and so has Twitter and the others, YouTube, which is owned by Google. Suppressing information on therapeutics. Therapeutics is things that can either prevent or cure or mitigate the bad effects of a given illness. The banning of information on that has no moral justification. These people lie and you die. I never talked like this. I've been broadcasting for over three decades. I would have I would have thought that somebody who spoke about the corruption of medicine, CDC, FDA, WHO, Journal of the American Medical Association, Lancet, New England Journal of Medicine, I would have said that they were off, off the deep end. This is not something I am happy to tell you. But if you care about truth, a very much misused word, I see no other option. Again, this is a professor of medicine at Stanford and a professor of epidemiology at Yale. The implication is, I read this again, the risks of a COVID-19 vaccine may outweigh the benefits for children, young adults, and people who have recovered from COVID-19. Why are we giving this to children? Why are colleges demanding that you be vaccinated before you could go there? And what if, God forbid, it turns out that years from now we see effects of the vaccine that we did not see immediately? Will people then understand the moral corruption at the heart of modern universities? And the answer is no. I want my kid to go to college. That's it. College uberalis. Like safety uberalis. But even that, the safety, this is the joke. People will wear masks outside and have their children vaccinated. We live in the age of the irrational. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. Eight hundred five hundred eighty three eighty four.
Hi, everybody. You're listening to the Dennis Prager Show. Reading to you from this piece in the Wall Street Journal by a professor of medicine at UCLA Medical School and a professor of epidemiology at Yale about the, uh, the, the non-reporting of risks with regard to the vaccine. He's not saying, neither of them is saying don't take it. We need to be honest and not allow politics to determine whether we talk about it. And he doesn't see why children, young adults, and people who, especially, this is the this to me was the tip off. Even if you had COVID, you should get the vaccine. While you would never know it from listening to public health officials, not a single published study has demonstrated that patients with a prior infection benefit from COVID-19 vaccination. Did you know that, my dear listeners? Has this been reported on any of the mainstream liars? No. That's why you don't know about it. You know a lot more about COVID and lockdowns and masks listening to this show, and not only my show, I'm just using mine as reference. Then reading the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, watching CNN, etc. That this isn't readily acknowledged by the CDC or Anthony Fauci is an indication of how deeply entangled pandemic politics is in science. This is this article is what we call a hand grenade, or if you will, bombshell. Not a single published study has demonstrated that patients with a prior infection benefit from COVID-19, that this is not readily acknowledged by the CDC or Anthony Fauci is an indication of how deeply entangled pandemic politics is in science. Finally, public health authorities are making a mistake and risking the public's trust. That, my dear friends, is what we call an understatement. They have lost my trust entirely. It's an incredible thing. I never, I never imagined saying that. For me, five years ago, if somebody w- would have said, I have no faith in the CDC, NIH, and all these other organs of public health, I, I would have thought they were a kook. I admit it. And I would have been wrong. Public health authorities are making a mistake and risking the public's trust by not being forthcoming about the possibility of harm from certain vaccine side effects. There will be lasting consequences from mingling political partisanship and science during the management of a public health crisis. I salute the Wall Street Journal for publishing that particular piece. That takes courage. I'd like to remind you that my column yesterday poses a question that I'd like you to ask. This is, to me, an unanswerable question on the part of those 
who lie about America being a racist country and ask them why then have millions of blacks from the Caribbean and Africa moved here in the last 50 years when no Jews moved to Germany in the 30s? Why would that be? Are, are black Africans fools? Are blacks in the Caribbean fools? Jews were smart not to move to Germany, but blacks are stupid to move to America. That's what they're saying. I read comments on my pieces all the time. I read comments on others' pieces, too. I find the comments section very important, by the way, and I'll tell you why. It gives me an idea of the readership of that particular website. If the comments are stupid, even if they're on our side, then it doesn't speak well for the readership of that particular website. So that's one reason I read comments. The bigger reason is to see, for example, at the New York Times, where there's largely a herd of readers, I get a chance to read what the left thinks unfiltered. And it's very, very helpful to me. So I read uh, the comments on my own. And to my great uh, interest, nobody refuted the argument. Many leftists comment on my pieces, and there was no refutation. Why do blacks move to America if it's systemically racist? Either they're fools or the people who say it's systemically racist are fools. You can't, you can't have both right. Right? We will leave an all-black society for a white supremacist society run by whites is ridiculous. Simply ridiculous. That was the column yesterday. And get it. Town Hall or DennisPrager.com is probably the easiest. And then it goes to many other sites. 1-8 Prager 776. Ibram X. Kendi, who uh, now has a piece in The Atlantic, which is another wasteland, which was once a thought, thoughtful magazine. Our new post-racial myth. The post-racial idea is the most sophisticated racist idea ever produced. He is a contributing writer at The Atlantic. Andrew W. Mellon, professor of the humanities and the director of the Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Research. (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) gives you an idea of of the low level of Boston University. Give you an idea of the the rapid deterioration of our universities into thoughtless indoctrination mills. This, he, he has succeeded Elie Wiesel in that professorial chair. We'll be back in a moment. (laughs) 
The Dennis Prager Show. Don't you get tired of commercials screaming at you to buy gold now with inflated promises on future values? In an unregulated industry, you need honest, real experts to give you solid advice to protect your wealth and top picks on the best coins and bullion. As environmental policy becomes a hot topic, one precious metal that's been significantly undervalued for years is potentially set to surge. Nick Grovich, owner of AmFed Coin and Bullion, has long recommended this precious metal up to 600 thousand ounces of this rare metal will be needed by 2030 to produce green hydrogen. Nick is doubling down on this pick, and you should too. Call Nick at AmFed Coin and Bullion to find out more. I've been friends with Nick for years, and he's my go-to guy when it comes to coins and bullion. I trust him. That's a very big statement, by the way. Call Nick at 800-221-7694-800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. Hi, everybody. So, the uh, apparently, the voices of moral decency and truth are having an effect if the uh, one of the great propagandists of our time, Ibram X. Kendi, which is the name he adopted to sound more authentically black, and is a professor at Boston University to its everlasting shame. So this is, uh, th- this is how he proves. He's annoyed that people are saying America's not racist. The signposts of racism are staring back at us in big, bold racial inequities. But some Americans are ignoring the signposts, walking on by racial inequity, riding on by the evidence, and proclaiming their belief with religious fervor. America is not a racist country, Senator Tim Scott said in April. Black babies die at twice the rate of white babies. So, he... In no arena does he supply the evidence that this is because they're black and whites are responsible. Is, for example, is it possible, I'm just offering a thought, is it possible that with nearly 80% of black babies born to unwed mothers, that, and uh, in, in... very troubled circumstances, shall we say, in many cases. Might that be a factor if indeed black babies die at twice the rate of white babies? Could it be in some way related to the circumstances in which they are born into and not white racism? How does white racism cause black babies to die at twice the rate of white babies. How? I'd like to know. Do white doctors ignore black patients? I mean, that that would be an example of racism. See, this is the... I'll, I'll go on. Roughly a fifth of Native Americans and Latino Americans are medically uninsured. Almost triple the rate of white Americans and Asian Americans. 
roughly a fifth of 20%, roughly 20% of Native Americans, I guess they couldn't find this to be true with black, black Americans, and Latino Americans are medically uninsured, almost triple the rate of white Americans and Asian Americans. I thought we were, I thought we were racist against Asian Americans. Wasn't that the latest charge? So how come they're so, so medically insured? You note, by the way, in all of this, there was no responsibility on the part of the individual to get medically insured, for example. It doesn't, doesn't even occur. Okay. Does the Latino American include the illegal immigrant? I don't know. I'm just posing the question. I want you to understand this is what the foremost propagandist of the left on race is writing in, in the latest issue of The Atlantic to prove that America is racist. Next, native people are nearly three times as likely as white people to be impoverished. Okay. Amazon donated hundreds of copies of Ibram X. Kendi book to Virginia Public School. I'm not surprised. Amazon owns the Washington Post, which just had an incredibly uh, evil piece up. Okay, so this is another proof of what a racist country it is. Native Americans are more likely to be impoverished. And how is that caused by the society? The life expectancy of black Americans, 74 and a half years, is much lower than that of white Americans, 78.6. It's four years lower. Can that possibly have anything to do with black behaviors, or is it a function of white racists? The case is not made here. But all of this proves America is racist. But I have some other statistics when we come back. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager here, reading to you from the... the, uh, Actually, it's not the latest issue. uh, Yeah, it is. It's on. Wait. It says June 22, 2021. That's... That's yesterday. So it also says, oh, okay, that's another article. So I was right. It's the latest the latest column or latest piece in the Atlantic, latest issue. The proof that America is racist, the proofs. So the life expectancy of black Americans is much lower, it's four years lower, than that of white Americans. Just a constant uh, description. So why, the question is very simple, why does that mean America is racist? Why why is the implication that that is caused by, let's see, why do we have a phone line on, Sean? One that I cannot, ah, once again, sad, okay. Why do we immediately assume that it is whites maltreating blacks 
that is the cause. Is there anything in black behavior that might be responsible for a four-year lower rate? White Americans account for 77% of the voting members of the 117th Congress, even though they represent 60% of the U.S. population. That's a a statement of racism? White Americans are 77% of the voting members of Congress. but they represent only 60% of the U.S. population. So Congress should be composed of people who, uh, according to the percentage that they are of the population. So notice he doesn't note the black membership of Congress. Blacks make up 13% of the population. Are they 13% of Congress? I don't know. But it would be worth looking up. And the fact that he doesn't mention that uh, is, I think, indicative of a sleight of hand here. Anyway, what does that mean? Jews are 2%, I think, of the population of the United States. They're not 2% of of Congress. So what does that prove? That America is the most pro-Jewish country that has ever existed? By the way, it is. (laughs) That's the irony. (laughs) No, not on the left. Jews vote left, but the left thinks the Jews are wildly overrepresented in Congress. Jews think Israel and Hamas are moral equivalents. Excuse me, the left thinks. Did I say Jews think? I don't know. The left thinks. Did I say Jews think? Good thing I hear myself. It's important. There was a saying when I was at, uh, when I was in school as a kid. I learned all these aphorisms in Hebrew, which have shaped my life. I need to write them down because they truly, truly shaped my life. One of them was, I won't say it in Hebrew, but in English, it's, your ears should hear what your mouth says. It made a big impact on me as a kid. I took the aphorism seriously. So anyway... This is so these are his lists of proofs that America is racist. Just as you can recognize an impoverished country by its widespread poverty, you can recognize a racist country by its widespread racial inequity. Really? So is it racist that the NBA why they they poo-poo this analogy, but it's a perfect analogy. It's perfect. Is the NBA wildly, disproportionately black because of racism? Does inequity prove racism? Then it does in the NBA. Is uh, is hockey 
which is overwhelmingly white. Is it overwhelmingly white because of racism? In the United States, black college graduates owe an average of $25,000 more in student loans than white college graduates. Why does that prove racism? All of this, all of this, I'm going to use their, one of their favorite words, is a denial of black agency. can't believe I used the word without being sarcastic. Yes, blacks have nothing to do with anything to do with how they live. Is there any other group of whom that would be said? There is, you are not responsible in any way for any adverse statistic affecting your life. It's interesting. My wife, my uh, live-in corrector, often says to me, do not say that America is not systemically racist because the left is systemically racist. That's true. This is a perfect example. Blacks, you are only victims. You have no power to make a better life. None. Everything about you, everything, how long you live, your student loans is determined by the white man. We'll be back. That's very happy music. I enjoy that. Yes, indeed. People should read, as Michael and Prescott, Arizona, calling in notes, they should read Tom Sowell on these issues. Yes, indeed. John in Villanova, Pennsylvania. Hello. Well, good afternoon to you, sir. I wanted to say that I got a, a return email from Julie, which is such a hoot. Anyway, she's she's a sweetheart. I hope you can keep her forever. Um, I'm responding to your, um, I would say, binary um, options on blacks living in Africa, that either they're stupid or we're not racist. And I was, I'm trying to picture myself in that situation. I could imagine that I could look at the United States and see it as racist and still see it as a better option than living in some very difficult, very difficult circumstances in Africa. Right. So that's why, that's, okay, so, that, uh, oh, if you didn't finish, go on. Now basically rolling the dice. In other words, it's, it's, it's a matter of a, a risk, risk evaluation, I guess. Right. And, how many of them return to Africa after moving here? If if, if it's a, just a, a use of the dice, then it's amazing how how often, how overwhelmingly, the dice turn out with great numbers. I think I was making a statistical possibility point. I certainly uh, agree with. I certainly agree with you. Right. So obvious conclusion. That we're okay. So he, here's an example. I think the best is, again, a Jewish example. So Jews did not move to Germany. We all acknowledge that because they knew how bad it was. And by the way, they had much worse circumstances in Russia and Eastern Europe than blacks have in in black Africa. 
Jews had more reason to move to Germany than than blacks have to move to America today. Uh, it, 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 they were they were being beaten and killed in pogroms in in Eastern yeah. Europe. So they still didn't move to Germany because that was systemically racist, unlike America. Right. So okay. So that's one example. But I'm going to continue with that one for one moment because my father, as I've often noted, my father was American born, and he wrote his senior class thesis on anti-Semitism in America of which there was a lot. However, he knew, and I was raised to believe, and he was right, this was the best country Jews ever lived in outside of their own country, Israel. Ever. 